Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at the hyperclean website or go to Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook. Best two ways to interact with us. Nick, let's get into some buy and sell. Listen, you want to go first? I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll go, I'll go. I'll go. I'm selling. And listen, especially after Thursday night, right? I'm selling anybody who's not on the Baker Mayfield train yet. God damn it. Time <laughs> to. Back in the day, throwing his flag down into that other people's fields. You know, <laughs> Baker Mayfield got to be there. You got to jump on that train. You have to. You got to be on that guy, <laughs> especially if you're anywhere remotely around Oklahoma and you're needing to get a car battery and you're out front of O'Reilly's. And uh, the amount of people talking about Baker Mayfield in the state of Oklahoma. Do they know he doesn't play for an Oklahoma team anymore? That always cracks <laughs> me up. First of all, dude, he went to Oklahoma for one year. Slow down. Like he's not from there. He doesn't like you guys. He's never going to visit. Relax. It's all right. Dude, uh, every old man. Oh yeah. They think they're best fall. friends with them. They think they're best friends with them. I told you about this when we went to the Astros game, you know, I had some buddies that played on the Phillies and you know, we're sitting there, we're talking. You should see how people try to talk to these buddies of mine. It's like, they know them. They're like, Hey man, you know, how's it been going with uh, your girlfriend, such and such? And and the players are looking, they're like, do I know you? It It's really an odd thing with social media because they see something on somebody's Instagram or whatever. And they, they like talk to these athletes from the stands as if like they're best friends. And it's got, now it's happening at O'Reilly's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Dude, Dude Baker Mayfield's not your buddy. Oh yeah, he is, man. They were talking about all the people they had talked to about it and couldn't believe everything's <laughs> going like. I mean, it was just, it was hilarious. And, you know, Bella's sitting there. She doesn't understand what's going on. And so I'm trying to explain to her. It's just like, yeah, these fat old dudes in overalls, man. That's just what we talk about. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. So if y'all ain't on the Baker Mayfield train, you're out. I'm selling yeah. it. You're gone. I'm, I'm actually going to buy this week. It, it's pretty rare. I mean, especially as a business owner now, you, you always take notice of like employees that are really good at what they do. And that's what I'm going to buy. It's so rare now when you, it doesn't matter if it's a restaurant, doesn't matter, whatever it is. When you have somebody, you go, yep, they get it. This has been a great experience because you have so many average or below average experiences out in your local city. Now that everybody talks about, you know, service sucks, this sucks, that sucks. That's fine. But when you run into that one person, you go, yep, she was kind of born to do this. This was the right career path for her. She's, she's killing it. He's killing it, whatever. Uh, so I'm going to celebrate those people and, and buy the people around us that are really good at what they do because it, it does, it stands out now in a way that it never did before to me. Uh, maybe it's just getting older. Maybe it's the two year pandemic, three year pandemic, whatever it is, but when you go to a place, and, and most people are going to think restaurant, but that wasn't was what it was for me. It was just totally a different experience. But just when you run into people that are, I don't care if it's a cashier. You know, you got some cashiers that are just on it. You know, they're just, they get you in and out. They're friendly. It just, whenever you run into somebody that's good at what they do, I'm going to buy that. They're in their zone, right? It's like you find the people 
that found their place. Oh, when you yeah. meet those people 100%. that found their place, yeah, they're happy. You're like, man, this was great. Like, yeah. and it could be anything, right? Like you could walk into O'Reilly's and Billy Bob could be talking to you about uh, Baker Mayfield and the guy behind the counter is just great at what he does. And you go, ah, man, this O'Reilly's is pretty nice. Could be a complete shit box, but you're like, ah, hey, you know, I really like this O'Reilly's. Like that person can change the whole business. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Mm. Usually we're complaining about it though, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Most for sure. people just look at it with such a negative thing. So I'm glad you mentioned that because very rare does people celebrate having a good, a good interaction. I mean, it could be anything though, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, when you really think about it, like if there's a gas station you really like going to, more than likely it's because it's like, I can get in easy. Hey, that, that man or woman behind the counter been there for a while. They, they get me in and out. They know what I, they know what I bring up. They, it's just some, I mean, it's just crazy. The box company locally that we love to buy boxes from. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> love this kid, man. He was unbelievable. He would go get the stuff for me, have it all ready. Walk in was a couple of weeks ago. The kid's gone. New people are there. And they just look at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, usually he goes and gets everything for me. Like, right. Like, yeah. Looking back, you know, what we should have done is hired there. him. You know, yeah. this is what, this is great. The greatest business owner advice you'll ever get. When you have somebody that's great at whatever it is they do, you should be trying to hire them. And so now Marty should be fired because he didn't hire this guy that was sweet at working. So no, but you're right. Right. I remember you calling me and saying, dude, this, this box relationship might change. We might be going to a new, this is really bad. And so think about the dichotomy of we moved our business over to them. And you're like, man, love this guy. Love this box company. It's a great fit for us. Now it's transitioned to, man, this lady behind there is a real problem. Mm -hmm. And so we are actually looking to bring in a different supplier because of a change in staff. We it, look, this happened with UPS. I mean, we could share that story. We had an awful UPS rep. And when you get to a certain size, you have these reps that, that handle your account. And you remember, we were like, we might have to actually, and we did, we started shipping with different people. We get a rep that cares and he's new. He doesn't even know UPS. He's honest about it, but he cares and he, and he is a good person. And all of a sudden UPS has flipped and, and now we're shipping completely with UPS. I mean, think about those relationships and how much the person that you're talking to, the person that your connection to the business drives your business decisions. That's why people keep saying you and I got to stop being the ones that they talk to, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Got to get new people. Got to get new people. Got to get like, new people. <laughs> I, I, dude, if people know how, how much, uh, I know we get a lot of DMS, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of text messages. And most of you guys have, uh, you know, positive experiences, but yeah, we need to find something, somebody better, uh, <laughs> at dealing with, uh, things with customers. And that, that is something not we will do. We're not the most uh... <laughs> PC. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. That'll, that'll be an outsourced great employee uh, change at some point. Yeah. All right. I'm drinking today from Ska Brewing out of Durango, Colorado. You ever been to Durango? You ever been to Durango? No, but uh, do you ever see that show last man standing with Tim Allen? No. Yeah. That, it, it's that's where I heard Durango, Colorado before. Mm. I love, I mean, I'm a Tim Allen guy. Cause he's a car guy I mean, he's a muscle car guy, but still it, it counts. It kind of goes in hand to hand with being around tools. Uh, yeah, dude. I used to love tool. I used to love Tim, the tool really man. Taylor. Like that show. Did you, you didn't really like that show? That show was Oh tough. dude. I I just like Tim Allen. I mean, this is a dude that went to, to prison for dealing Coke. 
And <laughs> and that, and now now your boy's on top of the world. How can you not root for a guy like that? <laughs> I hated that show though growing up. I hated the show. Well, I mean, it can't be My Little Pony like the other stuff you like. I mean, you know, I mean, some of us like tools. Some of us, you know, watched other things. He-Man. Yeah, He-Man was good. (laughs) I'm with you on that. (laughs) All right. So I thought you were going to go into ska brewing. Like, did you ever get into ska music? That's one style of music I never understood. And really, there was only one time there was some hit back in like the 90s. Otherwise, I never knew ska music. It's almost hideous. Yeah, I'm not. It's not my thing. I'm out. It's okay. All right. So what do you think when you open up a car and you see the two tones interiors, like I did that, uh, that, that car in it, you got the red seats, you got the different type of seats. First off, what goes in your head? We'll get into that car here in a second, but I'm just curious when you open up a car and you see two tone seats, I automatically go, Ooh, just by nature. Are you, are you instantly a, an O or are you an ah, like the way you customize, you do stuff for people. Do you yeah. like to put in two tone seats and stuff like that? So two tone used to be really big. Now it's come back. Uh, so like, I'll give you an example. The The number one car we run across that's big on two tone is Range Rover autobiographies. And, and some of them would be SVs or SVRs. And what they'd have is black bolsters with a cream middle of the seat, you know, uh, you could have black and red is probably the most common now. Uh, I, I like it if the right company's doing it. I think the weird part to me is to see a Honda Civic or something that's, let's say, less than 75 grand. And here we are playing, instead of just building a quality seat, which they don't even really do, they start to mess with all these inlays on the seats. And I'm going, I'd rather you just put that money into making the seat better. Because, you know, you ride in some cars and you're like, man, this seat sucks. You know, you look at Mercedes-Benz, they have some two-tone uh, availability here and there, but they got the best seat in the in the marketplace. They don't need two-tone. They just put all the technology into the seat. They hired people. They didn't worry about that as much. So I think it's got to be right company. Uh, there's too many lower-level cars with two-tone, and I think that's hard to pull off because you got such cheap interior and so now you got this plastic piece that kind of fades differently than this other piece. I think long term it's a problem, but I, I'm a fan of it if it's done right. Listen, I, I I went ooh at first, but then when I sat down, I looked at it. This was the Mercedes GLE 53 Coupe, super super nice. I mean, yeah. I, I immediately first go ooh, but then I go oh okay, like and it looks really good in the videos. It popped in the photos. I liked that interior. It was super cool. So this is a lady that. Well, she curb rashed her Porsche and uh, didn't just stick there on the curb rash part, decided to, that the story she told me was, decided to just go ahead and take it on over it and hit the tree on the other side too. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, get your money's worth. I mean, right? I mean, that's what you got to respect about this lady. She's like, you know what? I've already curbed this four times. Let me just go the full boat here and put it right into this tree. I mean, that's, at least she has a humor about it, but. I mean, is that better than having to fix the rim for the fifth time? Maybe it is. Probably. Maybe it's time to just get on to something new. Plus, you went from a Macan to a 53 Coupe. I mean, I, I'll take the, the GLE 53 Coupe, I think, over the Macan. Yeah, I mean, look, Macan Turbo, and you get into the higher Macans, those are more race car-ish. I would probably take that, but I, I like them all. I mean, at, at the end of the day, if it's nice, it's nice. 
All right. What's the craziest uh, let your wife drive the car story you've heard? Like, you know, hit a curb and next thing you know, I, I plowed through a tree. Seems, seems that's, a that's, bit. And look, that's pretty high on the list. But <laughs> what, the, the one-off craziest thing I've had in my business. So we had an Audi R8 when they were really special. And by the way, I think they're, this is the last year they're making them, I think. Um, but when nobody really had them and they were real special, we put like $20,000 worth of tires and rims on this car for one of my customers mm. and they were sick, Yeah, but you know, kind of just a one-off car all the way around. <laughs> and, uh, his wife took it out. I believe twice and all four rims were banged up. And because there was some carbon fiber stuff, it, it got real kind of like, yeah, let's scrap these. Now he doesn't, he's one of those guys that won't miss the money, but it was pretty gnarly. I mean, it was just hard to see where you kind of look, you go, man, this is, it's not even about the money. It's about, this was so cool. And you just made it uncool in two different drives. Like this <laughs> is that that's probably the one that sticks out to me. I mean, I got a lot of them, you know, a lot of it is for me as kids, 16 year old gets a pretty badass car and within five. I mean, we have this Tycon that I bet we fixed all four rims. Like, I don't know, we're probably on 20 different times. I mean, it's, it's pretty painful. And I always joke with the kid. I mean, he's a nice dude. I'm like, Hey, my man, you haven't picked up on how to get through the drive through at Starbucks or what? So, but yeah, I mean, you see yellow paint, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's the curb rash thing is so violent. Holy shit. I forgot all about that. Next time she brings it over. She had just ran through a bunch of road paint and she was bitching and moaning about <laughs> apparently here when they're painting, they do it in the middle of the day and they don't put up warning signs or cones. They don't section it off. She said she just ran through and she'd only had it right. I mean, this is still a brand new vehicle. It's within a month old and she had ran through it within days of owning it she i mean it still had paint up under the fender which i'm like listen if you we're gonna do that it i'm it's gonna be interesting she had unfortunately her husband went and washed it power washed it put a bunch of shit and got most of everything off but can you imagine a hundred thousand dollar oh dude it's crazy I, man like she's you got get, paint you on get, both sides and you get to this place where you go there's some people and I shared this, I think it's in the hyperclean specialist group. We have this guy that's a driver for one of my clients and he's exactly like this woman, not hitting things, but you know what he's big on? Never pays attention. Doesn't pay attention to anything around him. So he brought this brand new Lincoln navigator black label that he's driving. And Marty, he just had stuff all over the side, like, you know, uh, something from a construction truck got all over the, the vehicle and it was like hardened on the vehicle. He never even knew what happened. He drives it every day. So all the opening and closing and walking up to it, he doesn't see all this white shit down the side. And so it just festers on the paint before we get there. And my guys go, uh, we got a problem. But it's like, this woman kind of reminds me of him where, how does all this bad stuff happen to you? Well, it happens to you because there's no paying attention, right? You're just kind of acting crazy in your car and you're just staring out the window or you got the music up or whatever it is you do. Or because they own a major cannabis company that's in multiple well, that's, states, she might be dude, otherwise distracted, maybe. That, I know. There, there's still nothing funnier to me. So, you know, we, we had a, a, a family uh, 
thing this this week where I was at the hospital. And we get out, out from the floor and we get towards the elevators and it's blocked off by a wall. As soon as we open the door, <laughs> the nurse goes, well, somebody's having fun out here. And then she goes on like this diatribe. It's still the funniest thing to me. If somebody was drinking a fifth of Jack on that floor, you would look at them crazy. You'd be like, dude, what, what are you doing? But this woman, like you're right, she's probably a little high in her car. And it's like, would you drink a bottle of Jack and do that? It is a fun dichotomy with this whole cannabis thing. Like people, do, I mean, I'm talking about at 8 a.m. You'd look at a guy pretty weird. But the cannabis industry is like, oh, yeah, it's not a drug. It's like, oh, I think kind of it is. I mean, that's why it had to be legalized. I'm not, some I'm people not... say they drive better that way. I know. And then if your grandfather told you he drove better with the 12-pack of Paps than him, you'd be like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm but like, hell yeah, Paps. Let's go. <laughs> Goddamn, Paps Blue Ribbon. Yeah. Big out here. Big Is out it? here. Oh, yeah. it's That's the hipster beer now. Really? Oh, dude, you didn't know that? No. Oh, yeah, man. Don't go in and try to order a Bud Light at a hipster bar out here. I mean, it's PBR. Oh, I've still got. So there was a brief moment I was into PBR because it was Buffalo Wild Wings and it's just, it is what it is. And I have some, some actual pint glasses that were wrapped by PBR and it's got, it's, you know, for PBR fans, maybe I should go to Vegas and try and flip them for 10 bucks. You know? <laughs> hey, let but, me take the $600 flight and try to make 20 bucks. Yeah. But no, that's crazy. PBR is terrible. I don't like it either. Yeah. I don't like it either. I look oh. to each their own, man, whatever, whatever gets you there. But yeah, it's not, it's not the beer I'd have in my fridge, but look, it's big out. I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of a hipster beer now. Listen, Dustin Stanley's in heaven. He his oh, he drinks PBR? Vomit. Nobody's going to start. I mean, Dodge <laughs> truck and hipster, you throw those together, man, he's excited. I figured him for a Bush Light kind of guy. Oh, always, but a hipster, right? Is that now, what it is, Bush Light? Yeah, of course it's Bush Light. Bush oh, Latte. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bush Lattes. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. for sure. Bush Latte. Yeah, good for but, him. I don't care what you drink. People get real uptight about the beer thing. Oh, I know. It's fucking terrible. I can't believe <laughs> What kind of beer do you drink? I'm like, well, I'm drinking right now a uh, IPA. It's 6.8%. Anyway, so <laughs> let's we open up this GLE. I start cleaning on it, and I go, okay, whether or not I am a pro, whether or not I'm just trying to clean it up uh, randomly for some people that uh, I met, and I just like to go around and clean up some cars, or odd chance that maybe my GLE, uh, you know, I need to clean it myself, right? But he, either way, I go, wow, uh, there's so, I mean, we've talked about the different types of material, different type of services on cars. This one's no different. You got so many different services. We already mentioned the two-tone seats, but let's ask this question. When should I have, or should I never, right? I never thought I would come to this point in, in our, you know, industry and cleaning cars that I wouldn't need an APC, right? I just, I personally, the way I've used APCs and tier cleaners, that type of product, 20 plus years, you and the company are what brought Revive to us, right? So I never thought about it, but the more I use Revive and this new style of a cleaner, I go, I open up this car and first was that, ooh, but then I just go, I mean, is there ever a point to use an APC again? If I've got this vehicle, it should never reach the point of dirty that it needs an APC. Should always be maintained and cleaned with Revive. 
Do I yeah, ever the, start the, to the carry clean, an APC again? The, the cleaning power of what you would call sort of a new age cleaner, which is what Revive is. Revive's not just some, you know, thrown together technology. I mean, it it's pretty cleaning centric with leaving a, a proper finish behind. That's the whole way the project started. I think one of the things that, that I see now is I think I would only use an APC if I was really dealing with the worst of the worst every day. And there are some detail shops, you know, some people doing really grimy work and may need APC at 50-50 type of work. And you've been in, you and I started in those which types is, of well, and Which was a lot of what I still really, really did with car washes and then. Uh, yeah, other. that's, that's, that's probably where the severe, the severity of the interior in those worlds, you could even defend some modern degreasers on some of those interiors. Uh, that's not what I ever did, but I, I tend to to think that as an industry, we need to get on the education train of interior should never get that bad. We're not, you know, we, we kind of shun that type of conversation, but I don't run into anything in my daily business anymore where we need APC over revive today. Uh, and I've actively sought out to get away from those people that let their cars get that banged up, but that doesn't mean there's not money in it. If you're in the world of, I'll tell you who really, you know, a big part of the industry now is like doing semi-truck interiors and things like that. You get into some of those dump trucks and, and, you know, farm trucks and those types of things. Yeah. ABC is still a player for the guy really doing consistent work and his cars are medium to light beat up. I APC is dead to me. And it ha by the way, it has been long before revive. I mean, I would use an APC at like 20 to one for really clean interiors. I mean, I, I wasn't using much cleaning other than, than just a light clean. Boy, that's why we all, we, that's the only thing we used to use. You oh, me too, by APC the way, when I got everything. in this industry, that's what I use. Yeah. APC, everything. Now you mentioned semi, you mentioned some other stuff. I got to chase a little, a little squirrel here, a little rabbit for a second. You're not telling people to go outside of the industry and put on random things and go into complete other industries. Are you? Yeah, I know. I, 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 we all heard uh, your little rant over the weekend as you uh, filled in for Rush Limbaugh, uh, which I've been called. Um, but the uh, reality is no, but there are guys out there that do, you know, farm trucks, they do semis, they do that kind of stuff. So if you're in that, APC is a player. No, but I mean, why don't you elaborate a little bit on what I heard on Saturday's episode as you, uh, you know. You know, well, I mean, I, I had to ask it, and it is ironic, right? Because, you know, we're saying you could go use a cleaner to go into some different things and clean other parts. That's a lot different than learning a whole new thing and going into a complete other industry that most detailers have no concept around what goes on with protecting things in other industries. Cleaning is different. Oh, I see but, that. You know where we see this a lot, aviation. I was going to say, but in aviation, you can't use the same cleaners. There's certain things. Boats and marine, a lot of that does go, but 
geez, yeah, to airplanes, to agriculture, like, whoa, hold on here. Like, yeah, hey. I, look, I, I, I think it's great to chase opportunity, but with opportunity comes the work and the legwork and the getting educated. And, you know, that's what people leave out of the story, right? The marketing brochure never tells you that it gets cold and windy in Vegas. You just think it's always sunny and beautiful here. They leave that out of the marketing brochure. The reality is they leave that out of the marketing brochure of, hey, go do airplanes. Well, great, man. But there's going to be a learning curve. I'm not saying you can't get great at it, but I've seen a lot more detailers fail at aviation detailing than I've seen succeed. You know that, and I know that. I mean, we 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 hear a lot of big talk out of the aviation space. I know some guys that do it here. We do some interiors of planes. But, you know, when you start talking about this is what they do every day, these guys don't even want to touch a car. That's not what – I mean, they never try to cross the other way. Yeah. Why? Because they want to know what they know. They want to they want to cash in on what they know. And so if I was going to look at a detailer, I think chasing aviation or – or, you know, look, we we got a, a guy in the HyperClean Specialist Group. He's a part of our team of uh, distributors, Brian. He's great at boats. I see a lot of guys chase watercraft, and it chews them alive. They're spending 70, 80 hours on a boat where an educated guy would have spent 10 hours. I mean, you see this all the time. And so this is where the steep learning curve gets left out of the marketing brochure a little bit, which I thought was an interesting conversation you had over the weekend Hey man, go chase farm equipment. But if you don't think there's going to be a learning curve and you don't think there's going to be some losses and some failures, that's the part of, of our industry where we seem to leave the big parts out of the marketing. And I think most people don't understand it's all a game. It's hard to say that it's a game, right? Because we're, we're trying to do things for money and well, you don't get paid to play games. But boy, there's a lot of us that used to pick up that Nintendo NES that go, we were told not to play games, not to play. And we go, God damn, boy, today, the, the way people play online games, the way they play games, oh, yeah. this is something you and I have talked about. And it's funny. I, I was talking to a guy this weekend who he's gotten out to start to do some like odd and in things and kind of do like a handyman type business. So he built our fence. He's, he's now going to come work on the fuel pump on the truck. The battery is 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 now been fixed now it's a fuel pump so he's that kind of guy he likes to do those little things well he, he's got a brother that apparently fits into the type of people that we've talked about loves to be online loves to play games does zero interactions with people locally what else doesn't he do he doesn't talk to chicks like apparently oh, yeah. that thing that you you heard from somebody and you paid like something about these under 20 type like yeah. something strange right like but it's did you used thing. to play what did you used to play back i mean now it goes all over their spectrum is so yeah, intense my, yeah mine was tecmo bowl you know that was oh, my yeah, first yeah. you know then bill walsh's football and Sega okay Genesis. but tecmo bowl did you uh was it jerry rice with the uh the the post i was, route bo, the, I was bo jackson you were yeah. bo jackson yeah that, that he was, was with the mine. raiders yeah, I didn't care yeah. about the Raiders. I Bo just cared Jackson that he was the and, fastest guy uh, And Marcus Allen, you could do sweep yeah. right or sweep left, and then they would just take off down the field. Yeah. Then, you know, uh, one of the fun games on Sega was NHL 96 when that I'm came out. Into hockey. Uh, all that kind of stuff. I mean, look, I, I went through the progression. I got all the way to PS4, and I have a PS5 that's never been turned on. So mm. there you go. I think I'm going to send it to my nephew. But, uh, 
Well, yeah, give I, it a couple more years. You, you'll have some people that. Uh, <laughs> you. So, you yeah, I, I, you know, I look at it, man. And, and I think it's cool what, what guys can do and, and kids can do online, but it, it has bred. I don't know, an easier to fool person as well as not, you know, having social interaction. They don't know how to read that they're getting scammed. They don't know how to read things like our industry. I mean, you, you, you talk to a lot of guys that struggle to understand those types of things that go on in an industry where somebody's, you know, preying on you more than they're helping you. Uh, and I think that's something we can get into today is, is leap off of this. And I think, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, when you don't, when you're not good at social interaction, it's very easy to buy into everything everybody's selling. And I think that's the secondary problem of all that. What about you? I, I compared it where I was headed was the game that we do talk about a lot is chess. And it is a bit of a different game than all the online stuff. And it, you can play chess online, but games today are so much more complex that you're right. When you can throw out all kinds of stuff and talk about it and whatever is so hard to actually figure out what's real. But in chess, chess is so complicated, but yet very simple. And is in a sense, more of what you and I consider as business. And the way I was going was trying to help some people think about some discussion points that we were going to get into of inside the game of chess versus where most people think of these massive online games or these huge maps or, but it is weird, right? Because we're in 2022 trying to talk about chess. I don't, I don't know. It, it seems, it seems odd, but one of the chess moves that some people seem to think that seems viable is a glorification of being a solopreneur. That's that's definitely one of the moves that people do. It's it is interesting. Let's define that for a second. What does it mean to be a solopreneur, and why does it seem to be glorified? Let's start with just what it seems to be in the overall world of. We're going to talk internet. We're going to talk social media. We're talking big picture here. Seems to be a glorification of solopreneur that you yourself can do everything you're your own guy. You're this amazing person. You are awesome. And you need to learn the skill because you're so awesome. And the more you craft out this skill, you're just going to be even more awesome and good for you for being awesome. Yeah. You're, you're your own guy. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they leave out the vulnerabilities of being a solopreneur. You know, that's the other thing we talk about what they leave out of the brochure of the local uh, weather here in Vegas, what they leave out of the brochure of, you know, hopping industry to industry and, you know, the dangers of that. It, it's the same with this, you know, solopreneur to me is how we all started. When you start a, a company around detailing, you start on your own. You did, I did, you're out there doing all the work, but the part that was left out of the brochure was the accidents you can get in, in your car. Uh, the life that can hit you in the face, uh, you know, magically, you know, with having an emergency in your immediate family that you have to take, you know, a week off, two weeks off, breaking a leg, uh, breaking a collarbone. Yeah, I was going to say, I broke my collarbone. There's a lot of people that love to snowboard. They love to take vacations. They love to do different things. Yeah. I, yeah, I was a young guy, mobile detailer. Hopped on a rail slide, thought I nailed it, but apparently I was on didn't. the ground and didn't. Yeah. It, so, you know? and, and look, you know, I got in a car accident here in the last five years, completely out of my control. I didn't do anything crazy. Somebody hit us. I was 
uh, injured and, and had to go through a lot of stuff to get back healthy. That took over a year to get healthy. And this is the part they leave out of the brochure is what do you do when, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And I think that's the great jumping off point, Marty, and, and, and something that you and I have both have experienced. So, and there's the reason why I kind of brought up chess for a second is I want everybody to think chess doesn't have just offense. Chess has also offense to defense and chess has the best chess players also think of five moves ahead, three moves ahead. You know that you got to play a little defense so you can play offense. And that's where I want everybody to kind of have this thought process because that's where we have this thought process, right? When, when somebody is pushing something so hard, why should I understand that solopreneurism is being pushed by so many people in the industry? Skill set, skill set, skill set. Oh, well, maybe part of it could be what they're really trying to get me to do. They're getting me to go to a training, get me to pay for a certification, getting me to, 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 to get this membership so I can put something on my wall because, you know, it's going to help everybody. We're all going to have this frame and we can just tell people that we're part of this thing. And right. That yeah. seems to be something that is pushed. Yeah. Look uh, at it in other industries. I mean, I think this would be a great thing to have. If I go to train as a welder, I'm the guy at that welding training is usually working or going to go work for a company, right? That's why he went to the welding training. He didn't go to the welding training to start his own welding business. The guy running the welding company hasn't been to a welding training in 25 years. I have this with an HVAC owner here. He runs like a, I think he told me a 20 to $30 million HVAC company here in Las Vegas. They do a bunch of commercial work. That guy hasn't been to an HVAC training in 20 years. That's not what he trains on. He's got his technicians to do that. But now we get into where the solopreneur hasn't been told the whole story. If the solopreneur and HVAC, and let's take it out of detailing because I think people get emotional and think you're talking just about them. You could take this to any industry. The owner of an HVAC company, he did his training 20 years ago. He stays up on what's going on through his team, through the people. He's trained through the infrastructure in his business. So he's not out of date just because he doesn't go to the training. He's up to date in his business because he makes his technicians be up to date. One of the things about, that people don't talk about is that part. That, what about somebody that people see every day that you you battle, you battle, but it's a great people I love the comparison to is the same people that we battle when you're out as a mobile detailer. What's the one other company that you battle a lot of time is the landscaper. Landscapers. Yeah. Yeah, but that owner point. of the landscaper isn't out cutting the grass and and is looking at measurements of grass for the exact style. And this has got to be here. And okay, well, when we edge this part, we got to make sure that yep. we have this right angle and it's got to hit this part. And we got that guy's not so, out doing that. So as an industry, I think one of the things we've done really poorly is to ask people, do you want to be a detailer or do you want to be an owner? Because those aren't the same things. I'm. I am today capable of going and detailing this really expensive Porsche that's in my shop right now. And I am getting paid top dollar because this specific client wants me to do it. So he's getting charged double or triple my team doing it. He's going to get his car when he gets it because I have shit come up, dude, I'll, I'll call you when it's done type of thing. 
but largely I don't identify as being the guy detailing anymore because that's not where my focus should be as an owner. That's not how you build a team. My job as an owner is to make my team as good as actually better detailers than me. That should be the goal because now I can unleash them. They can make a proper salary. They can feed their family off being a detailer. But when everybody's telling you, go learn to clean carpets, go learn to polish, and, and, and you're trying to get 2% better at a skill, once you know how to hold a polisher and once you know how to polish, getting 5% better doesn't equal $100,000 in your bank account. Now you're just doing it because somebody told you to go do it, right? It's not about building your company. It's about building your skill set. And if I were to build a skill set, I honestly would try to go to the highest bidder and get a job. If I was going to keep chasing skill set, I would not be a solopreneur knowing what I know now. But I would have like five or six shops in my city that I would say, hey, you guys call me when you need me to come into work. I'll give you a bid on the job. That's what I would do. There's a part of us, though, and we'll say this till we die, right? There's a part of us, though, that go, we want to be the best. Great. And, and I think that's awesome. But let me let me use a, an actual thing going on in this industry or adjacent to detailing because PPF has tried to separate itself from detailing. So there's a wave happening in California. Okay, so what do you that, think about that? We, hey, let, let's, let's throw out why, right? Why are so I, many I've, people? Jeff's trying to, you've talked about it. We came out of yep. the same episode, but this is a moment for people to go, oh shit. Yeah. They hate the representatives of detailing, plain and simple. They don't hate detailers. They actually like being in business with detailers. They hate the representatives of detailing, the public faces, the, the clown behavior, the, you know, the people that they know are frauds that are getting recognition they don't want to be a part of it. And and remember, these are publicly traded companies. So they got some smart people there. They're not all dummies. You know, they, they got to go through background checks to, to be CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Uh, I, I think that's the part of it that detailers need to hear. The reason you should be mad about organizations not doing what they say or representatives being out there and not acting a certain way or not having a level of professionalism or or just having you know, stupid names that people look at and go, why would you call yourself that? That Because that reflects on you. You can think it doesn't, but behind the scenes, the decision makers are making a decision based on these five guys that are saying they're the leaders of the industry. And that's why PPF has separated itself. They despise the outward faces of this industry. And, and they'll tell you day in and day out over a beer, like they'll give you the names, the reasons. It's not just some shot in the dark. All right, but inside PPF, you said they're making a little bit of yeah. Issue. So the, there, there's something happening in California. It's been happening for a while, but this is the the looks like what it's going to be the wave across the nation. Is basically you have these guys that are hired guns in California, and they'll work with five to ten shops. And here's what will happen: they're excellent PPF installers. They're independent. They don't work for anybody. But guess what? They are. They're a hired gun. I got a Tesla. I need it wrapped in a day. I'll pay you four grand to come do it. Perfect. I can get it done in a day. Click. That guy's not on the hook for material. That guy's not on the hook to plot that film on that. When he arrives, he's getting paid four grand to install it on the car. And he's completely independent. And guess what? He's not hunting work. The businesses are hunting the work. 
he's just a highly skilled assassin going around and building a team of assassins that he deploys as a business out into the marketplace of PPF. And this is happening and been happening in California for a long time and, and really is a highly efficient system. If and it's you because want, they're focused, we go back to it's because they're focused on the skill set, right? Like, oh, yeah, go yeah, back yeah. to the, helping people remember where we were talking, right? Like, it was yep. specifically these people are nothing but skill. Yeah. So, again, you can, you can take that to an HVAC tech out of detailing, right? If you got somebody that's crazy great at fixing commercial HVACs and he can be a hired gun, then go be a hired gun. But don't tell me you want to be a business owner. And you keep learning the same skills about cleaning carpet every year. You keep thinking that a training and skill set is going to change your life. That at that point, you want to be the best detailer. Go, go, go be a hired gun in your city for five or six shops. Never hunt business. Get a phone call. Hey, we got this uh, two-step correction. You already have your price out on the street. I charge 800 bucks to do that on that car. Perfect. See you tomorrow. Click. Why would I get into all this other stuff? But here's what people don't realize. And by the way, this is kind of what I was doing my last final years before I started my business is that I just, this is what I did. Now I did it with some OEMs and I did it with some other people, but I was a hired gun. You only call me when you need this stuff done. Don't call me to do anything else. Then I started my company. And what people aren't realizing is the skill set of being an owner, detailing is like a hundredth on the list. <laughs> Sales, marketing, and building your team, and then everything else is is pales in comparison, including detailing a vehicle. How many trainings are out there wanting to tell you that? Well, they can't keep preying on you and getting you to pay money to come learn some skill set if they tell you that fact. Now, learning the basics is important. Learning skills is important. But then at some point, you got to, as an owner, flip over and say, I, I know what I'm doing. I build my own systems. Now it's the time to teach my people my way of doing things. So how do we get here as an industry? It's It's got to be because the main face, like you talked about, the people that have been the most outspoken, the people that have put out the most, you know, that how they represent the industry. They are 100% skill set oriented. And that's sort of their defining part as, as you can kind of take a bigger picture back and you look at them, non-judgmental, you're just looking at what they put out. It is 100% skill set. It really hasn't been until over the past couple of years. I'd say we have a lot to do with that, that it, for some reason now people are starting to put out business, even though some of those people that now started to talk about, they're the ones that are going to start putting out business. One of them, we won't go into it. One of them had to take the exit road lately. And uh, it is interesting though. Is that how we got here? Because there just hasn't in our industry, and especially as the industry from 80s, 90s, 20, you know, you, you look at the past history of the overall industry. We've had massive growth over the past 10 years. And maybe it's because certain things that came to the market required people to learn, right? You needed to learn the DA opposite yep. of the rotary because, well, it was a skill set now to use the DA instead of a rotary. I mean, yeah, exactly. And it was never a skill set. Using yeah. a DA to me is not a skill set. Uh, using a rotary was a heavy skill set. To to finish out paint four steps, three steps was was a, a hell of a, a thing to learn. 
if you understood the rotary, I didn't need to learn anything about the DA. It was pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just needed to know how that particular tool's sensitivities and when it would stop spinning and what its pressure points were. And you're pretty much set. And, and actually was pretty freeing for a lot of us that used the rotary and had to worry about a lot of things. Now you just kind of put your, your, your AirPods in and you, <laughs> you go to work and you go, oh, this, this, this is pretty, pretty simplistic stuff. Um, and again, when you're a beginner, it's not simplistic, but do you need, you know, four different trainings to get, you know, some kind of understanding of the DA polisher? I, I don't think so. But I mean, do coatings you? came out, coatings, uh, you had to now get, you know, that was the early parts of coatings. You had to come. And by the way, train. 2010, you did need to teach people. 2010, well, 2011, you real. didn't need to 2021, teach people. 2020, people were still building giant places. You were going to come learn how to. To, to, to get, you know, credited and you're going to have to come get this training, fly yep. to us here in this no part of the middle well, of the I, world. Well, I think, I mean, Marty, let, let's, let's look at it this way. You can always follow the money. The reason the cartels deal drugs is because there's money in it, right? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's why they do it. It doesn't have to be any more difficult than that. The reason our industry has the training situation it does is just follow the money. If I tell people that you got to be great at sales and marketing and you got to be great at building your team, how many of those guys that are teaching could actually sell that? A, most of the people teaching advanced skills in this industry have never built a team. They've always been a one-man show. So they can't sell you how to actually build a business. Which goes back it, to your point earlier, either learn the skill or learn the business. So you got to realize that if people get to where they're at to be able to teach skills, they're really great at skills. Yep. And there's, and by the way, we should celebrate that. Yeah. Which we do on this podcast. Yes. I am glad people have those skills. I am not so positive that everybody's been truthful about, Hey, let me go ha learn how to do advanced crazy techniques with the polisher and sandpaper. You know what nobody ever tells you? A lot of those guys have struggled financially their whole career. A lot of those guys don't have a lot to show for all the work they've put in. It's a labor of love. It's it's really something that they just are drawn to rather than something they thought from a monetary perspective. Same goes for PPF. I know the vast majority of people that are great at PPF installation should never own a business. They failed miserably, but they're a freaking badass installer. And there's money in that. If you understand, okay, I'm not going to go out here and call myself a business owner. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a hired assassin. And I'm just going to go out and I'm going to say, hey, man, these five shops need a guy like me. And I can book my schedule without doing any work. And I'm going to use the real way that this should be done. What's happening is guys are getting caught in between. They're being caught in between of, what is a business owner? And this is a great definition for you to bring up. What is a business owner in your mind? Now, 40 years plus old, you, you've been doing this 20 years. How do you define a business, Marty? Mm. Well, I think you said it earlier, which hits the right point, right? Like, are you making money by doing? Ah, that's not true either, because there's plenty of business owners that just like to do something small and they do it themselves and they sell something. So it'd probably be a level of what does for me to define it or somebody to define what is a business owner would define what level do I want to achieve? Yep. A business owner could be, especially with today's internet, could be somebody that just sells a widget and 
Yep. Easy. But that's but, not that's but, not a service based. But remember, that's not manual labor either. That's not a service-based manual labor business. So a service-based detailer business, if I'm going to be somebody that say I own a business, I've got to be somebody that also has a team member around me, not just one that does majority of the work, but I also have to have somebody that does my back-end bookkeeping work, make sure I'm everything's okay on that side, my taxes, my state. I got to make sure I have an insurance person. I got they actually, you go into, you need a lot of people. There's no way I could do it just by myself. No way. So I, I would say my definition of a business owner is somebody that has a team around them of whatever he sells a product or service that uh, they are producing and growing. Yeah. So I define it probably similarly, but I think for me, business owner means this because I've been a solopreneur. Like I said, when you start in detailing, we all oh, start yeah, by absolutely. ourselves. When I look at it now, I wasn't a business owner back then. I thought I was, uh, but I wasn't. Um, I, I, I didn't have what a business needs to have. And that is, can your business operate if you're not there? If you take a week off, can your business operate? If the answer is no, then we're getting into a very loose definition of business, right? Very loose definition of business because you have no money coming in when you step away. And so now you get into a very vulnerable spot when you break your collarbone or you break your leg or you have an emergency come up that your business halts. And so is that a business or is that something different that we just haven't defined as much yet? And it's a huge risk. You know, this is the part, again, left out of the brochure. Being on your own is the biggest, as an owner, is the biggest risk in, in, a, in the business economy, period, end of story. Because if I get injured, and I'm employed by somebody, even if it happens on a snowboarding trip, I can get FMLA, which is a Family Medical and Leave Act, which is a federal act. I can get short-term disability. I can get long-term disability through my position. I can have my employment uh, protected. You don't get any of that when you're on your own as an owner. Zero. Zero. So Now the question would be, And let me make a caveat to that. You can have protection through insurance. You can buy disability insurance in case something is to happen to you. But how many guys who are operating on their own, who are even 50 years old and been doing it 30 years, have those types of policies that if something were to happen to them, they would still get paid. And then you'd need the bookkeeping because they need to see how much you're actually paying yourself. Then they'd give you a percentage. Now you're talking about that's when I think you could take a solo operation and say, okay, that guy's operating a solo operation like a business because he's got all these protections that if something went wrong, he's still going to get his money. Maybe that's a defense. Maybe it is, but you're right. I think most people don't have an actual defense for if you're the only person around a solopreneur, are you a business owner? Are you a businessman? That's going to make people go away. You can't, no, you can't question me on that, man. I, I did this. I did this. I got an LLC. I've got insurance. I've got, yeah. I've got cars coming in. I, I've been in business for five years, three years, two years, whatever. They can list out, you know, I, I've been in business. I'm a businessman. Chess pieces, chess moves. Fortunately, hopefully, most people that are listening that are in that situation and talking that way are going, yeah. I've done it. They just 
haven't really had anything major go wrong. We've, we've talked about it with me. There's plenty of other people inside of community. There's all kinds of it, right? Random wrecks, divorce, right? Oh yeah. Random spouse, suddenly something you go, what? Kid gets, kid gets ill. Kid uh, gets ill. You know, I mean, you, you have these things. And like I said, there's no right and wrong. You're going to operate your business the way you want to operate your business. But what is the protection you have when it's you and only you? And that gets pretty damn scary. And nobody ever talks about it. Again, if you're having a great time on your own, man, two thumbs up. Keep doing it your way. It's just a thought exercise more than anything. Do we understand that nobody in our industry who's who's telling you to do it this way is telling you the risks? They're just keep making money on telling you to gain skill set. Well, what's the end game? This is your chess move, right? If I keep going to training all the time for the next 100 years, what is the move five steps ahead of that? Just get more skills? At some point, I want team members. What does 40 years old look like for you if you have to detail cars and you're stuck? We get more people at the age of 28, 29, 30, 35, they call and talk. And the reason we talk about this this way is we've never had a single solopreneur not ask us, who call us for advice, me or you, how do they get out? Never once. So for all everybody that's getting upset by the conversation, I'm sure some are, but it's not a negative conversation at all. I can show you 100 people in my DMs and my text messages and phone calls that are like, how do I get out of this? My body's beat up. I can't do this forever. I don't like doing this. I love being around cars. How do that is the conversation that nobody in these training protocols ever brings up that that's the conversation you have 95%, 98%, 99% of the time. Oh, and let's, this is where a lot of people will finish out on this is a lot of people when they listen, they'll send you, they'll send me, they'll go, Oh, you guys just aren't into training. <laughs> let's yeah. I, put out a video recently did one of those throwbacks it was all about training i i you and i one of our first interactions face to face which is one video that i did save that i need to uh, maybe i'll put it out this thursday or the next is a video of you at training with yep. me right like yep. we do believe in training we do yep. believe that you should that's in our actual process is a key word of the fundamental of hyperclean. We firmly believe in processes. Processes need to be taught. Processes are vastly important. Processes are incredible for making sure that when you grab a GLE and you see all this different stuff inside of it, if you've yep. got the right product and you got the right process, wow. You, you yep. are way beyond everybody else. And that's where we want you so that you can have the best car life, best experience, yep. everything goes directly. So we want to make sure everybody understands this isn't a us versus training. That's not this discussion. No, you're massively into training. Yeah. I, I love training. You got to draw a line somewhere though. And that's what we don't do as an industry, right? We see the same people teaching the same shit for the last five to seven to eight years. And everybody can say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is I can look at their results and say, they don't have that many big shop owners. They don't have massive success in business. They have more people fail than succeed. And they're charging an exorbitant amount of money. They're right to do that. I'm not in judgment of that person. I'm telling you the facts on the ground that what we've done is we've misled 
in these trainings, what's important to be a business owner rather than be a skilled detailer? Well, the good news is, Nick, that you can go and pay 800 bucks and somebody will give you 30 minutes to tell you how to market to people since you just learned that skill. We <laughs> yeah. won't go there though. We've already, I hear you. that's a, that's a horse. We definitely beat into the ground, but yeah. fun episode, fun discussion, please. Everybody you want a further discussion, come on to the community pub. It's every Wednesday night, seven 30 central zoom ID nine, one, eight, 800, one, one, eight, eight, or Hey, send us an email. Nick and I always talk about it. If you got something you want to discuss, come on, let's have a discussion about it. Nick, Great, great talk, man. Enjoy it. See you, man. See you next week. Well, this is Marshall. And here's something I want you to do with that information. I want you to think through. I want you to weigh it out. And I get it. Listen, this is kind of that part, the end discussion heavily was towards the pro. So if you're a business owner, I want you to think through that. I want you to understand what direction you think you should go. Should you be heavy on the skills or should you be heavy on the rest of the business? And which direction you go, I want you to think of three things that you're going to do this next week to help whichever direction you go. And then... I want you to go to the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook, and I want you to share the three things. The first person to share three things, and then I'm going to randomly choose as I go along, but I'm going to do something with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. But choose three things. Where do you go? Which direction? What three things do you need to work on? It's not you got to do it this week. It's just I need you to decide the three things this week. It can be done in 2023. They can be done whenever. But what are the three things? And let's start talking through them. Let's start having a discussion on how you get to do the three things that you think are best for you. That's part of a community. It's what we're here to do. Well, this is Marshall, and I hope you make it a great day.